Good morning and welcome to the Preventing Grace podcast. It is uh, February 13th, which means it's basically Valentine's Day. A great holy day for somebody, maybe Americans. Actually, I think Kenyans really go big in for Valentine's Day. No, really? It's like Valentine's like, Day? Tomorrow is oh. it's like almost as important as Christmas. I <clears throat> can't remember why. But we missed it. We missed a week. We didn't even announce, so we probably should explain ourselves. So I don't have to buy you a Valentine's Day thing because I already did. You took me to a Satan place. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't. I, okay, we should we should because the Airbnb guy who who rented this place is really good. He's a good guy. He, he did. Yeah, it was a big house. It was, a big it house. was like more was than one house, place right, right. in so, the house. Uh, and. <laughs> so the, and I think apparently someone lived, people live there permanently in, in, in these little apartments um, in, the, in the massive mansion townhouse kind of thing. And ours was really nice. It was spacious, light was flowing in. It was really a nice place. Um, but then <laughs> we were on the second floor. And as you go up to the third floor, you know, pictures of Satan. Well, not Satan. Demons tearing each other's flesh out. Uh Goat heads, um, weird dolls, a couple of weird dolls, okay. candles, like these paintings. Of, and this guy's an artist, I think, the, the guy mean, who lives up there, or a quote-unquote artist, who, who, who specializes in in demons. We, so he has his, he had his cards on the table outside our land, our landing. Like you take a card and go look at his website. Um, so I did, and yeah, it's it's just a lot of. It's a lot of Satan art. Propaganda. Right, 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 right. So, but that was only outside of our apartment. It was only like leading up to the third floor outside of our apartment. But everything, all the whole the rest of the house was really nicely done. And I understand if you if you, you can't control what the guy who lives on the third floor does. And. Well, at some point he was like late at night, he would, you know, vacuum and have friends over. Yeah. And then weird. he'd be like, hey, Satan's cleaning his apartment now. <laughs> <laughs> right. He did keep long at late hours. He was up late. You could hear him, his hooves <laughs> smacking around upstairs. I don't think. I mean, we are coming. We have somebody on our street who, well, not our street, but the corner, who started to fly a Satan flag. Yeah. And that's been interesting. I mean, he, he took it down. And I can say he, with confidence, because I... <laughs> We, I watched him move in. It's a beautiful, big, white Victorian house on right. the corner. And then he had the deck redone, and he that was sort of a crime against yeah. humanity because he did a, a railing that in no way matches the beauty of the original house. It's like this sort of modernist thing. Right. And then he went really big in for Halloween, which a lot of people do here more and more. Like we have tons more sort of full, fully expressive Halloween celebrations with people putting really grotesque baby corpses, you know, I'm assuming they're plastic and not real, but, and really weird overdone Halloween decorations. So that was, you know, normal, horrible. We had to walk a different way to get away from the house. But then at, Christmas, he left two of the skeletons on his porch and dressed them in 
um, Santa and Mrs. Claus outfits, which, you know, okay. It was kind of interesting spin on Christmas. But after Christmas, then he put the Satan flag out. Yeah, yeah. Flew the Satan flag was, like January first. I mean, I'm not sure if it's like actually. I mean, it, of course, at the at the bottom of it, Satan's there. But I'm not sure if it was a Satan flag or a Wicca flag, because on the dark side of Wicca, they, they use the pentag- the, the goat's head with the pentagram. It was a it was a it was a black or gray flag with a round circle and a pentagram. With a ghost head in it, <clears throat> I know. So, I haven't really wanted to Google Baphomet, like... <laughs> which is which is. I mean, I, I, I'm I'm assuming this person could be you know, LARPing as a wizard, or uh, or a witch, or something like that, or a sorcerer, and or it could be someone who actually is part of the Church of Satan, which is like which is more of a humanist kind of thing, which is. The Church of Satan doesn't really Anton Lavey. They don't really actively worship Satan. They're just they they have. Oh, it's not on purpose. They well, they are worshiping Satan. They just don't. They're not. It's not a theological thing. It's it's the Church of Satan is all about you being you. Mm-hmm. You taking the fruit. They have a great and being website or being whatever. your own god. Yeah. So <laughs> so it is it is worshiping Satan, but they but they don't. I don't think they actually believe that Satan exists, even though they're they're literally worshiping him. Uh, in, a, in a in the way that he would most like them to do, and then then there's a theological Satanist who actually do the black masses and try to break into churches and steal reserved Eucharists to reserved hosts to desecrate and sacrifice animals, horrible things like that. But they're very there's a very small number of people who do that. But that's probably that is probably growing up at yeah. I, I would that, say yeah. how we don't probably know what again. I don't. I feel sort of queasy about trying to research this or actually find out more. Yeah. <laughs> but it it's strange to me. Not strange. It's, okay, it's not strange at all. But overt sort of affection for Satan coming to the fore in a, in a cultural way. Like, there's no... Not, there's going to be no pushback for anyone who wants to vaunt their worshipful affection for Satan in this particular day and time. And I think that's stupid. You shouldn't do that because <laughs> Satan is real. We were talking about this in the Sanford Empire podcast. I mean, I think people just don't, I mean, they think it's, you know, the, the, the image is, Hey, you want to party all the time? Want to get drunk and hang out with, Satan. With scantily clad women and 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 red and you know vermilion colored underpants, <laughs> come to hell. <laughs> that's that's no, that's not happening in hell. It's that's actually not what hell is like. Uh, it's it's really horrible. You know, there, there's no there's no um, there's no bars. There's no nightclubs. Um, you don't get to have sex orgies. You don't have any, none of that happens, none of that happens. But see, that's, that's the image that some people think is cool. Yeah. And I also think, it's, it's, you know, I, I try to say some stand firm, it's, it's, it's also a way of saying, just kind of a symbol of rebellion. I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to be who I'm going to be. No one's going to hold me down. <laughs> right? So you had the Sam Smith thing, which is 
you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a gimmick. I mean, I'm sure he does worship Satan again. Everybody really worships Satan who's not worshiping Christ. So yes, the world is actually full of worship Satan worshipers, even though they don't know that they're doing that. But I'm not sure if Sam Smith is act actively worships Satan in a theological sense. But he he's trying to he's taking up on he's taking up that kind of cultural picture of hell as a cool, sexy place, edgy, right, right. Uh, yeah. Well. What's sort sort of interesting about it? It's not that interesting, I guess. <laughs> but when everybody is worshiping Satan, it's like it's not edgy anymore, <laughs> you know. So the guy on the corner who's saying, like, literally flying a Satan flag. I mean, it's not subversive because everybody had all their Halloween stuff out, you know. And yeah, it's not. I think he was flying a rainbow flag earlier in the. Earlier, before one of the rainbow transfer, I think he that mm -hmm. yeah, earlier in the year. So he just replaced it with the reality, the, the, <laughs> the rainbow trans flag. It's just the, it's just the cover for the Satan flag, and he's deciding I'm just gonna put the Satan flag out. It's really interesting. <laughs> Again, by interesting though, I mean I guess it's not that interesting. But I live, we live in a staid, quiet neighborhood full of old houses. Yeah. And so it was kind of a shock. It wasn't like we were living not, in a college do, apartment place. And these, yeah, were, yeah. these were college students. These were Yeah, these this is like a professional a professional their person who can own a big house who doesn't have any families, it looks like, thankfully. I would and there's no there are a lot of uh in this house we believe signs in our neighborhood and a lot of a fair number of rainbow trends flags on people's porches but it's very quiet like um well i guess there was some sort of big demonstration at wegmans two weeks ago but that's and not that our old mayor was yeah that that's not our neighborhood that's over on the other no town. the biggest thing that happened was that during the black lives matter stuff they burned down the playground in our neighborhood yeah oh came, yeah that's right they came to torch the, the kids playground the children's playground right our child had to write a a description of nature for a class. She was completely unglued about having to do this. I was like, you need to pull yourself together. People have had to write descriptions of nature for a really long time. It's, it's literally a thing you have to do. She just couldn't deal, but she finally took a walk and then wrote a description of nature. And in the middle of her description of nature was a little discussion of how the park had been burnt down. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, okay, okay, I guess that's fair. So I had forgotten about it. She reminded me. So, well, anyway, we, what we're trying to say is we don't really have a particular topic for this week's podcast. We so enjoyed our few days away that we've forgotten how to um, be outraged by anything <laughs> i i've been trying i've been looking online and i have seen a whole lot of outrage about a whole variety of things amongst christians like i really did enjoy watching the lutherans melting down oh yeah they were really over angry. ryan turnips they got really upset jordan cooper was very very upset and I like Jordan Cooper, mm -hmm. but I also have enjoyed both Hans Veen, Jordan Cooper, and Ryan Jordan Seed as an interesting tweeter. I don't know if that makes me a 
bigot. And I really, what I liked best about that is that it was not my fight. fight. <laughs> I don't Maybe know what they're doing, <laughs> but, but I appreciate that they're battling it out over essential issues, I guess. They should do that, I guess. Then there's the people who are fighting and either really happy or really angry about the revival that's going on. I haven't seen anyone angry about it. I keep hearing people are angry about it. Who's angry about it? I have, in my feed, maybe we have different people. Mm -hmm. There are people, they're not angry, but they are quietly tweeting like, I think they must be Anglicans who don't believe in revival. They're like, (laughs) we'll see. Or, I don't know. (laughs) The fruits of this... (laughs) One big long prayer meeting doesn't, you know, transform... uh, Anyway. (laughs) So... It's interesting. I, I, I've only seen people like I've seen people cautious. I've seen people whacking at those who are saying bad things about it in my feed, and I've seen cautious optimism on the part of uh, Baptists, mostly quiet, stunned silence on the part of Presbyterians. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> quiet. So. No, actually, some Presbyterian, but I mean, I thought it looks like it's okay. So the, the one PCA guy went to check it out and came out and said that it was, it was actually they were reading the Bible and praying, and people were being converted and confessing their sins. So I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know what qualifies as, as a revival, but that seems to be a pretty solid thing. I mean, I, they... I, I wouldn't, I don't necessarily like all their music choices, but that's okay. That's okay. Get <laughs> God doesn't have to. Um, work in exactly that guy who does all the different denominational things he should do yeah he should do a, tw- a <laughs> tiktok of all the different responses to the asbury yeah revival that would be great yeah he could start with the i don't i don't know i i guess i will confess to have always been to have always i can't constructing an english sentence I've always been skeptical of things called revivals, especially the big ones in America. Well, right, because like, well, in America, or you mean, you mean like the historic ones, or you mean the like the, the Great Awakening, or yeah, know, really, yeah, yeah, like yeah. the Jonathan Edwards and all. I mean, I mean, what do they? Yeah, I've always not that, that was they, actually that was an actual revival. People were like, not <laughs> that changed they the country. Happened, you but you know what you're talking about. No, I know they happened. You're out of your wheelhouse. I, I am. I just <laughs> have always as. Felt like that's a really odd thing. What is for massive groups of people to profess to be Christian? <laughs> but it, 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 you know, you know, right? There's a book in the Bible called Acts. Yeah, no, I know. I also find that odd. <laughs> I'm not saying that I disbelieve in their existence. I, I. Okay, I've just lived through the entirety of my life of people praying for revivals like those old ones and being promised every few minutes that one is about to happen. Like, we're about to have a revival. Yeah, no, I, 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 yeah, revival. I mean, I've been told that before. And a lot. And I, I well, when we, when there, was, there was that pastor's breakfast they used to go to every Thursday morning, which was a big help when we were going through the problems with the Episcopal Church because these guys are all solid biblical people who were very supportive of us 
Um, but yeah, that was one of the main prayers is, is that God would bring, bring revival and people, they were, they prayed for that every, every Thursday. Some of them were in tears crying, hoping for God to bring revival. And I don't know what they meant. I don't know. I'm not sure exactly what, what people mean by that when they pray for that. But I do, I thought you were going to say you were suspicious of like people saying we're going to have a revival meeting. And in that sense, yes, I'm suspicious of that too, because you can't, if a revival is, it's not something you plan. Apparently this Asbury thing wasn't planned. No one said, oh, we're going to have a revival on Saturday at 3 p.m. Come for the revival meeting. It was, it was. People say that all the time. It was just a regular chapel service and people started confessing their sins and being very embarrassing. I, in my, yeah, and being very, being very, very un-Anglican. Right, right. My school tried to, we would always have a spiritual emphasis week where they definitely hoped that something like that would happen every time. So they would always set the stage for, set the conditions to be properly revived. revived and What were the conditions they set? Well, you would cancel a lot of other stuff and be in chapel a lot. I guess hoping that the Holy Spirit would arrive, and then there do? would be long times of singing, and then a speaker from America would always come, and um, then you would there would be a time for t- people could give their test could, could come up and to the mic and give a testimony or something if they wanted to do that, and I f- seem to remember that. Usually the people who did that were the same. Like, I would never do that. Even if I did feel that God was speaking to me, I would never tell anyone, especially not on a microphone. But there were sort of a subset of kids who felt comfortable doing that and would do it every time. Oh, they, were, they would always be saved again? Yeah. Or or if confessing that right. their sins are any. No, I, what I'm saying. It wasn't like the renewal weekend where you're like, why am I sinning so much? Oh, I need to go to another, another renewal weekend and throw a pine cone into the fire and then I'm, <laughs> and then I'm better. You know, those things are good. Like, so it, it, even in some evangelical circles, yeah. instead of like having an actual confession prayer every Sunday where you acknowledge that, yes, you're continuing to sin, even though you're a Christian and that you're, you, you have, you have to get are, saved again. But yeah, but in again the, even, again you again. have to, in some, some circles you have to get saved again, because if you're safe, if you're really saved, you wouldn't be doing these things. Yeah. I don't think it was. It wasn't that. no. I don't think people were getting saved over and over again. Although, you know, you have a big, you have 200 <clears throat> children, whatever, what each of them was thought was going on would have been an interesting cultural <laughs> study and what, what the American speaker thought was happening. Was happening. So I, oh, and then our school, we would go out. Well, I didn't do this either. Cause I'm a bad, I'm such a bad person, but I never signed up to, um, for the evangelism team to go out and tell people about Jesus. Oh, really? You play in, the wait, play in, the play the Jesus movie, and then hit the crowd and do um, evangelism wow. explosion. In but so you had to learn um, the language, the bambara, and then a, a lot of kids did that. And I also I was just I mean I may I'm aesthetically i just couldn't i was i just well i'm a bad what i'm saying is you i'm wicked you couldn't go out and share the gospel because you're above everyone else is that no not no i'm not saying i was above anyone else i was like so embarrassed by the prospect that i just you know always said i had to do more homework <laughs> <laughs> and that's bad of me i'm not saying that's good 
I felt really guilty for my whole life too. Did people act? Did it work? Did people get? So that's where I don't really know because of the cross cross cultural situation. Yeah, I'm not sure showing the have, genes. Like, I mean, well, they would show it in the language. Okay, okay. Mm. It's, it they just, didn't the show Jesus it movie, in English. Okay, well, to, to its credit, the Jesus movie is just the Gospel of John, right? With I think the so. actor acting it out. Yeah. So, I I don't, and I so think there hurt. were like there were lots of right. there were local churches I think that would follow up with people, but I have no idea what the impactfulness of that was, or how how Christian things were it was sort of a, a an assumption that that's a way that you could get people to believe in jesus did the did the did the organ did the people who are showing the jesus film were they aware of the second commandment violation <laughs> that they're perpetrating on these poor people i know i didn't i literally had never heard of that until <laughs> i started to saying how much i liked the chosen 2cv and now second commandment violation I'm, I'm now. Also, yeah, there's a whole not new realm of Christian something that I didn't know yeah. I could also offend. Like so, so setting aside the merits of the chosen, whether you think it's a, a biblically sound thing or you think it's horrible um, because of the license, the, the literary license that what's his name takes. What's his name? Dallas James. Oh, yeah, there's a whole group of people just. It just refused to watch it because someone's portraying Jesus and he's God. And so that's like a, it's a graven image. Um, so you have that divide going on. These are the these are the people who smash the icons. And okay. Right, right. And I'm really sad that they did that back in the day because <laughs> right, right. a lot of beautiful things were wrecked. But huh. so I guess I'm, I still really do like the chosen, even with all the license. We should talk about that later, but but let's see, let's pick in this revival thing. So you you had you had like staged the stage. They were setting the table for revival every every. Maybe they were dressing for the dressing, wedding. Dressing for the wedding, for the revival every. When once a once a year or once a trimester, maybe. Did they call it revival? Did they say we're having no, revival? No, it was week? spiritual emphasis week. Oh, spiritual emphasis. And and I mean, I felt the you know you feel the deep anxiety of of really wonderful people who mm-hmm. have given up their lives to come and be with the children of, of missionaries who have given up their lives to preach the gospel around Africa. So you have a, you know, a bunch of, of horrible right. children <laughs> right. and you want them to be saved. You don't want to squander the gift of, you know, their parents have given up everything to go to the fields and you want these kids to know Jesus and, uh, if you're a good uh, person, a good staff member, you can pretty well tell that a bunch of them are, you know, reprobate. <laughs> really, really, really need Jesus. And they really need Jesus. And you want them to know Christ. So you do uh, whatever you can to set the table for that to happen, the, the conditions, so that they can hear the gospel. And I will say, like, I learned the Bible in Bible class I, I really that's where i got my bible my scripture knowledge <laughs> and um the the staff were really wonderful good godly people there were some staff who came who were not who should not have been there um 
but the preach that they, they would all take turns preaching in chapel on Sundays and yeah, Sunday nights. And so you got a whole variety of different kinds of preaching styles and people working through texts in different kinds of ways. Uh, but it was always, it was strange to me that you would have, you would import a, you know, a minor celebrity, not, I'm for sure not an actual celebrity, but seemed like, you know, oh, well, somebody special from America has right. come uh, to make us repent of our sins. And that was always usually heavy on the repentance part. That's you not know. bad. No, but, you know. But the, but the sins hard. included listening to secular music, though, right? <clears throat> the sins included things like having tapes that were for, for well, rebellion, yeah, right? Well, probably maybe there was a lot there was a lot of legalism but okay well one of the hardest hearted groups of people that you could probably find to preach to would be a group of missionary kids who have heard it all before and who don't want to hear it again so i i also think i remember feeling bad for the speakers speakers who would come and face a stony (laughs) a sea of stony yeah it would be sad that'd be horrible uh, mm. So, I don't know about the effectiveness of that, but I think that's probably what's jangling around in my mind when I hear, "Oh, well, there's a revival breaking out somewhere." I think, is it? What? How much is the? Is it? Uh, what's it called? Um, peer pressure. How much is? How much of a revival is the pressure of people who are feeling something? Right. Trying to get other people who aren't feeling it. Well, and that's our critique and not just of, of revivalism, right? Because it's also just the way sometimes modern worship works. Like it, it's, it's so, it's so intent on the emotion being generated that if you're not feeling the emotion, you feel left out, right? Because everyone else around you is having this kind of and emotional I would, experience. Yeah, I think and the emotional a, experience is what's, was what they would argue or what they would say is the, the, the sure sign of the spirit being present. Yeah. That's been that's always been my hang up from a child is right. that I never feel when other people are feeling things I never feel the thing that I'm supposed to be feeling while the group is feeling them right. I'm always the person who is not feeling appropriate set of emotions and so it was a real so think, a relief okay. to me when as in a young adult to realize that. Um, having your bowels moved by the spirit doesn't necessarily mean the same set of uh, the set, same emotional profile for every single person, and it has often to do with the will. Right. And you can be called by God to repentance. It, it doesn't have to look the same every well, time. Right. Revivalism. That's that's so the the what the the. The problem with a lot of historically with a lot of that has been that they're just they're the preaching, the music, everything is like geared toward getting you to have that feeling and then come forward and and in an emotional moment and and say what they want you to say with a prayer and they and they and to their I'm sure they're not being dishonest they're trying to they really think that's what saves you um, is by getting into this pitched emotional state so the anxious bench was the I, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you'd sit there, and the preacher would preach at you, and you'd, you'd feel like you're gonna, you know, you, you better bring brother. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I don't. Um, 
I, and so I think a lot of, there's been a lot of false conversions because of that kind of thing where people are just playing with your emotions and you're not really, not really transformed within. Or you really want something that everybody else has. Right. And you just can't seem to get it. And right. uh, then you could be bitter and angry. You know, you could actually be angry with God for not giving you what everybody else seems to have, what's wrong with him. And maybe that he's trying to give you something else. That's why I, I did, I have now listen to the pilgrim's progress a couple of times and i still i know what it's like the thing that everybody loves most in evangelical alistair begg i just you can count on at least three or four pilgrim's progress quotes in an alistair begg sermon on any given day any, any given sunday <laughs> along with the song by the beatles and he's gonna <laughs> i just can't i still can't i don't oh. like it i still don't like it even though I've tried really hard, I don't dislike it. I remember, I, just, I remember reading it too when I was yeah, when I was early the early days of my my Christian faith, and I I went into it thinking, oh, this is going to be cool. It's going to be like Lion the Witch in the Wardrobe, or or because I was told there's an allegory about Jesus. So it's be so, and it's <laughs> so, so wonderful. It's so, like the best one. Yeah, and I started reading it. And I thought this isn't like this isn't like. Narnia. This is Narnia. No, no, it's <laughs> it's very much not like Narnia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't. I guess I I should probably give it a second hearing because I, I went into it with a. I was I was fall, I was told false things about it, and so <laughs> it didn't meet my expectations. And so I didn't. I read it, but I was not. I was not. Well, I lowered. It, right? I lowered my expectations this last time really low, just to like, and I still. Yeah. I, I still makes it still makes me want to. It still makes me really dislike Christian. <laughs> so I think I don't want to go with you on your wretched journey. <laughs> I would always be the, the point of that book is that you are. On no, the, I know you I are. Know. On the, you are Christian. On the I journey. know. So I you're feel bad. real you sympathy. You are a bad person. You didn't go out. People. You don't care about telling people about Jesus. <laughs> you're. You sat there. I can try. I can see you as a teenager in this spiritual. Yeah, weekend, and then people really didn't being, think I was a Christian and prayed for my salvation yeah, so much. I would too I if I were there. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. Are you going to talk to Anne about Jesus? How are we going to get Anne to? I know. <laughs> and so I, I do think I've gotten to know some of the staff on Facebook, and I do think they're that surprised. People are really <laughs> relieved that I write Christian-sounding things because it's, it's, a, it's different from. But here's the thing: I was a Christian at the time. You couldn't tell. I was like, a, <laughs> you couldn't tell, but I was. You were hidden. I was you were hidden. hiding under a bucket. For sure. Is <laughs> encrusted with grime. So I I guess I should I mean I, I'm I do want people to believe in God, so if this Asbury thing is real, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, it looks to me I think it's real. It's not there's not the the thing that makes it to makes it seemed to me that it's a genuine thing is it it wasn't it wasn't contrived it wasn't like okay we're gonna revival now like i said earlier and it wasn't the product of like a lot of a lot of attempted emotional manipulation it was it just it was a regular chapel service and they're methodists so, so they're, they're gonna have some wonky things but because they're methodists but but they're and they want this to happen like if this happened at an anglican school they would have to shut it down. They'd have to stop this. <laughs> that, now that's not true. By force. We, we They'd have, be like, stop we this. We had <laughs> like really, we, George Whitfield is a, was an Anglican who went around preaching and getting people saved. Yes, but didn't Anglicans want him to stop doing that? Well, lots of Anglicans. Wasn't that? Lots of Anglicans tried to shut him down. <laughs> like, but, 
<laughs> I, would, I would have been on the, on the, against the revolution. And again, I would have been one of those. Please stop. You can't have your freedom. Well, part of the problem you that can't people had your... with George Whitfield was that he was preaching outside the church. Yes. And he should have been, he been preaching inside the that's church. Right. That's terrible. <laughs> so, but, but, the, but then the churches wouldn't let him preach. And that's so, mm -hmm. what are you going to do? Well, yeah, it's real conundrum. <laughs> <laughs> I guess this is a podcast where I confess my sins. This is that Anne admits to being a terrible person. <laughs> what I'm trying to do is create space for people who also are bad. Also, also are bad. Yeah. Who don't love Jesus. I, I, when the queen died, the Bishop of London or some apostate person was on the BBC saying, it's so important for the church to create space. <laughs> I wanted to throw my screen. So that's just what I'm doing. That's a horrible term. Create space. No, it's people use it all the time. It's I know, a, but it's but we should all stop doing that too. <laughs> it's a therapy. It's a therapy term. I think mm -hmm. it comes with therapy. Like you have to be safe to say something. And say, yeah, oh, I'm a safe to create person. Create a place somewhere that feels safe. To yeah, safe. I'm just trying to be a safe person for people who are bad <laughs> and uh, can't seem to get into the right way. So. I heard someone like to use that language recently. Who is who is not that person you'd expect to need a safe place he's very hard-bitten and tough and he just <laughs> he said i need to say i need to find a safe place for myself yeah yeah it was very strange it was like i was talking to did you do lol no. lol <laughs> <laughs> no it was a bad time of the conversation to do that but it was interesting so, in other words, it's ubiquitous. It's beginning to be used. It's, yeah. it's beginning to be yeah. ubiquitous. Yeah. It's like impactful. It's just a word that we have now, even if we don't want it. So, well, anyway, I can't remember. There there were other big controversies that we did not comment on and that we didn't remember. Were there? Are evangelical con <laughs> controversies? Or were, did were something happen? So, I mean, we've been... Fasten, fastening our attention on the Church of England. Oh, right. Well, that, yeah, maybe that's the big one. Is yeah, that what we, I meant? we already talked about it. We talked about it when the bishops, when the bishops voted to, or not, yeah, they voted to put forward rights for same-sex blessings. Right. But then and this last marriages, week, they... Not performing marriages, but blessing marriages already done. This last this. week, though, the whole synod voted to... Yeah, affirm that. Affirm it. Welcome the bishops, whatever, exception. So, uh, so the bishops... Right tried an in run around synod by there's a apparently there's a, a they, they, they have the authority to, to to produce and release prayers for the church without going to synod so that and the, the reason for it was like okay the queen's going to be coronated or something like that you got to you have to have a special prayer for you have to write a collect right right you're allowed to write so a they decided to take that that authority and write rights for blessing secular civil unions and secular marriages between people of the same sex. And so, I mean, the Senate really couldn't stop them, but the Senate could have at least said, don't do that. Yeah. They could have repudiated. Right. 
and they didn't send it didn't. So now everyone, everyone who is a believer in England is in a really difficult spot. Uh, what do you do? Is, 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 the church is apostate now, so it's not a, it's not actual not actually a church anymore. And you're being led by, I think only four bishops voted against this thing. So all the bishops in England, except for four in the Church of England, except for four, are now not Christians. So what do you, what do you do? I mean, I guess if you have one of the four bishops who are Christians, you, you have some, you have some space, safe space, you have right? space, right? safe space. <laughs> but, but, um, but, you know, you really can't like setting aside the question of setting aside the question of whether or not um, you. Uh, want to leave or stay? I guess well, that's not really setting aside, but it's it's connected with that. It's how do you even grow a Christian in a in an environment that's that's completely thrown off the gospel? It's I, even if your own local parish does. I mean, everything you got to you've got you've got to wall yourself off. You got to be like a there's a, the plague is is sweeping through Europe and you've got to shut your doors and not let any of the plague into your own little parish or else your people are going to start dying. That's what this is like. So wouldn't it just be better to go to, out to the countryside and somewhere else besides London or the big city where the plague is raging and go somewhere else um, in order to protect your people, pressure. right? Protect your people, right? Because the thing is, is this influence is, does, even if you're, again, even if your church is preaching the gospel, the, the wider church's influence is, is so, is so insidious. It's not, and it's not like being in a, in a culture that is, has, of course, thrown over every vestige of Christianity, but that's, that's not, that's a different thing than having a church that's done it because, Christians know the, the world is the world and the church is the church. But when a church, quote unquote, church starts preaching a false gospel, that's more dangerous because it, 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 there's more ways for that influence to seep into a congregation. Yeah, I mean, when the world is, go, you know, flying their Satan flags, sure, you can, but you can go into a church for your safe space. Right. And... But then, Wait, if you, the but church then you if go you into go in and has the trans rainbow, flag on the altar, right? What do you do, right? There's no place for you to hear the actual truth, and yeah, um, and I would say I didn't expect this because, of course, when we did leave the Episcopal Church, uh, leading up to that, it was so stressful, and you what you prayed so much that it wouldn't happen. You prayed so much that the the tech would not apostatize, right. but. And so when you get when you leave a, a destroyed and gutted institution, and then meet with other Christians, you know, in a shop front, it's such a relief to oh, yeah, be in a room with where you know everybody believes the creed. I remember the first time that happened to me, and I just started crying. Speaking of revival, I wasn't supposed to feel anything, but I did. Uh, I was. It was so overwhelming. This was in Virginia. We went to. A- we went to a. Uh... Well, no, we went over to Albany. Oh right, it yeah. It was okay. before things were things were kind of chaotic, and we just went, and there was this. It was a small room. That's right. And it was so it was maybe only twenty or thirty. Bishop clergy. Herzog and Bishop Binna. And we sang it. a hymn, and I was just. It had never happened to me in an Episcopal context because, even growing up, you know that half of the people have their fingers crossed when they're saying mm-hmm, the creed, mm-hmm. or they're there for a variety of reasons, and. I'm okay with some murkiness as an Anglican. I don't 
need everybody in the room to all be in lockstep on one set of yeah beliefs necessarily but to have to be in a, a worshipful situation where everyone believes that Jesus is the son of God and rose from the dead. Yes, yeah, that was huge. So amazing. And you don't know how much it creeps up on you. Like the Merc, you know, well, yeah, okay. That person doesn't believe in the resurrection or that person. Well, you know, that, that the growing number of people who don't believe it, at some point it reaches a tipping point. So because our, our, our experience with other clergy was the, was the, diocesan convention in Syracuse or or the local Episcopalian clergy coven that met <laughs> and it literally was a coven with uh, because the, the director of the cardinal parish here a woman was you know passing out condoms to kids after school um, they were trying they were praying against the the local um pro-life center or yeah. life that was right near the school and they were upset that there was a, a pro-life a pro-life presence next to the school that was trying to help kids and they wanted to shut it down yeah and like we sat that, in I, a, I, I, so that's when i started volunteering like, for the thing oh my gosh <laughs> right, right. this is much darker than we expected we expected and then the I remember the day, the meeting we had after, with that clergy group after Gene Robinson was confirmed by the, um, in 2003. Remember we walked in and Heath Civetta and, uh, I forgot her name. Um, Lauren. Lauren Goff, both ordained women in the Episcopal Church were just like high-fiving, yeah. super happy. And they saw us and they were like, they like, tried to act, act more subdued. But it was well. So that's another. I walked into a my own chaplain parish at chaplaincy parish in call when I was in college, Cornell, and it was in ninety. It was ninety eight. He the bishop had just come back from Lambeth, and so there was a you know the bishops forum before mm -hmm. the service, and I was new to the chaplaincy walked in and stood in the back while the bishop in full Episcopalian tones said the most racist oh, right, because things the about the African bishops who had imposed Lambeth 110 on the whole church. And it was all, you know, all these, you know, white Episcopalians drinking their coffee and like nodding to each other about how bigoted the African church was because they don't, you know, do they don't want to trans the kids. That's not what it was back then. But yeah, yeah. And feel speaking of feeling like an outsider, you're standing in the back silently while everybody's, you know, sh wagging their heads over the horror. That's how the Hesaveta meeting was. Yeah, the, yeah. Like you just feel like, oh my word, this is so wicked and dark. But I'm gonna creep away and. But we didn't creep away. Yeah, we didn't. I mean, because, you know, the, the central New York at the time, the diocese we were in, wasn't like the diocese of of Texas or West Texas. That I, that I, I'd grown up in the diocese of West Texas, and I was in the diocese of Texas. And there were, there were liberals there, of course, but nothing, nothing like at the time anyway. Probably, probably is more like it now, but nothing at the time like what we saw when we got to central New York. So I just wasn't, I was prepared for it because of seminary, but I wasn't. 
I wasn't, I was, it was still, it was still shocking. And it was still, you know, in seminary that you have the cutting edge arguments for, for heresy, but, but Central New York, the bishops and the clergy were still working with the 10 years ago arguments for heresy. The Jesus so seminar. Yeah. So they're really bad. I mean, it's so easy to, easy to bat down, but it's. That's oh, what it is. The, yeah. the gender of God. That's the other quote controversy online. Oh. Um, back in the day when I was in college, uh, clergy in the um, central diocese of New York liked to, to refer to God as she in order to be <clears throat> really edgy and Yeah, they would just that in there and look yeah. at you like, yeah. like in a very oh, self- Oh, have I shocked you? In a self-satisfied uh, way and you just and you look at them like, no, you're just, you're just really... Yeah, you're just really it's dumb. not, that's right. like... It's not shocking. It's not shocking. You haven't said something special and new <laughs> and everybody is embarrassed now. <laughs> I hated those times. Yeah, so so just a little caution to evangelicals today who are like, ooh, God, God is, is a she. We're going to use she. Proper. Yeah, no, don't, no be, just don't be dumb. Stop doing that. And it, the, it, even a guy who I used to have a lot of respect for, um, I disagreed with his take on justification, but Michael Bird was a guy I had a lot of respect for. He's a New Testament scholar, but he's gone so far in the other direction. And he retweeted this book that you're doing a review on. Yeah. I haven't uh, even started reading the right, book yet. Where, where the woman argues for the use of, you know, female pronouns. And well, I don't know. If, I mean, I don't know if she's going to do that because I haven't read the book, but, but well, she Denny starts Burke's, out saying, Denny book reviewed oh, the book. She, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So then she's, um, but the point is that, you know, she, because God isn't, isn't biologically male in his essence. And because Christ took his humanity fully from Mary and not from a human male, but even though he was a male biologically, that that opens up. We can, we can, he's both, a, he's both fully a man and fully a woman. This is, which is a weird, a weird, uh, and if he isn't, she, she argues, if he isn't that way, then he can't, he can't be the savior for women, only for men. He's only taken up male humanity, not female humanity, which is a, no. I mean, he's taken up human, just, human nature. He's taken up. He doesn't have to be both sexes to take up to take up human nature. Anyway, uh, Bird retweeted this thing and seems to be in, in support of using feminine pronouns for God. And and the reality is, while God, yes, is not in his essence male or female, he revealed in his inerrant word his his pronouns he's revealed his how he would like to be addressed overwhelmingly in masculine terms so we the church are not free to say we were we want we want to we want to address you how we want to address you we're we're we're, we're a lot of these people who are pushing this would never dream of using a pronoun that someone else they would never dream of if, if not using they if someone wanted them to use the pronoun they but with god it's totally fine to totally fine to take the pronouns that he's revealed to be fitting for himself and use whatever you want. And she's oh, and she's like, <laughs> remember, like in seminary, we used to laugh every time someone did it. God self. Oh man, is that in? The, is she's that using, how the book she's is? She's using God self. Oh my gosh. God and God self said to God self, do the. <laughs> so, just aside from the it's theological question, <laughs> is that. 
it's really embarrassing to do that and you're 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 really putting yourself in kind of a very small neat niche situation where you're not being that inclusive to other christians (laughs) so i would recommend backing up off that this this was the the remember the enriching our worship yeah i think that's when we stopped going to chapel like emasculating our worship yeah because they they went through the and they they tried to reformulate some prayer book prayers without using masculine language. And it was so awkward and terrible. It was no, no, with horrible. This, and even even sort of progressive people had to stop going to chapel at that point because it was, just, it was so awkward. It was so bad. It was hideous. <laughs> the it the it was an experimental liturgy. The liturgy every once in a while the Episcopal Church puts out puts out these experimental liturgies, which now I think you can use. I think is licensed for use now in the Episcopal Church. I'm not sure, but. So who better to experiment on than the seminarians? And they, oh man, it was. It was so awful. I was already kind of enraged by just the the way things were at that seminary, and then that, mm. having to go to and then being told you must go to chapel every morning, and then here we're going to pray to Satan um, <laughs> <laughs> every morning. Oh it is. It wasn't. It's, it's they're re-imaging God in their own in their own yeah. preferred image. When you want to use a pronoun for God, that's the not. Not his, not the ones he gives you in the Bible. You are remaking God in your own image for your own comfort. It's a blasphemous thing to do. And I, for one, am not going to worship with you if you're going to start talking about God's self and and Mother and well, Krista. Well, you're supposed to right? um, celebrate the Eucharist from your womb. Right, 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 right. Yes, I'll never forget that. Oh, gosh. I'll never forget that. So... We've been doing this a long time. This is a long podcast. Oh, this was supposed to be a short. really short one because we had nothing to talk about. So our little walk down memory lane. Has been, I hope our listener has enjoyed. Yeah, our listener. We're here for you. We need to go next time. We need to go back to reading some passion stuff. We didn't do it this time. So. Oh, gosh. Yeah. We forgot the, the passion transitions. Sorry. We, haven't, we haven't done it for the last three times that someone mentioned. Oh, wait. Before we close off. This is interesting. I have, we have we're going to break news here on this cutting edge broadcast. Um, Justin Welby proposes pulling Canterbury out of Anglican Instruments of Communion. Um, the Archbishop Canterbury will surrender his authority as first among equals among the primates in the Anglican Communion in light of the General Synod's Synod of England of the Church of England's adoption of gay blessings. That's a good thing that he's doing. What does that mean? Well, remember to be. To be commit considered, uh, um, to be recognized as part of being in communion, in the Anglican communion is to be in communion with the Sea of Canterbury, right? Mm -hmm. And so he's like his role of invitation and all that. He's got he's got the most power and authority in the church, and he recognize apparently he recognizes this is this is so at odds with the vast majority of Anglicans that he's, he's removing the, the chair of Canterbury, at least uh, from the instruments of communion. He's not, he's. Wow. Yeah. Speaking to the open, cer- the opening ceremony of the Anglican consultative council meeting in Accra, Ghana on 12 February, 2023, the most Reverend Justin, Justin Moby stated, I will not cling to place or position as an instrument of communion. <clears throat> His concession comes a day before 12 of the primates affiliated with the Global South Pri- Fellowship of Anglicans meet to offer a united response to last week's vote in General Synod. 
the decision to introduce same-sex blessings without seeking a scriptural or theological foundation for the decision or respecting the church's agreements with other Anglican provinces has prompted the largest provinces, Nigeria, Rwanda, Uganda, and Kenya, to break fellowship. The former Archbishop, Archbishop of Alexandria, the Most Reverend Munir Annas of Egypt, has argued the leader of the Church of England should no longer automatically be the leader of the Anglican world, an understanding that has only arisen since the mid-20th century, but selected by the primates or archbishops from among their ranks, or that the leader should be do, should do that. Do you think he thought he might be disciplined, so he... I think, before. yeah, I, this, I bet, I, or he, I mean, that's that's a very cynical read, or he, or he recognizes that he's done a bad thing. No, not a bad thing, but he recognizes that he can no longer, you know, if be an Anglican. <laughs> well, <laughs> to be the head, right? Like, so yeah. If I decided I wanted to, you know, sacrifice a goat on the altar, I would have to say, okay, I'm gonna, I can't be rector here anymore. <laughs> I've got to start my own thing, or do my, or not be the, not be the one who's calling the shots in this church, because no one else really wants me to sacrifice a goat. The, the problem, though, is that everybody has. Well, this is amazing because everybody else in the entire world has clung fiercely to their desired. Um, oh yeah, like if if this this is a very British thing because if this were if this were if instead of Justin Welby being in the Sea of Canterbury being the center hub. If 815 and Bishop Michael Curry were the hub, yeah, they would center not, of the hub. He would he would never it. do this. He would yeah. they would say, oh no, we're going to force these. No, because it's a bow. justice issue. Yeah, you yeah. can't you can't let go because yeah. of uh, justice, equity, and inclusion. Wow. Uh, he said the so he said the role of the Archbishop of Canterbury, the See of Canterbury, is a, an historic one. The instruments must change with the times. I will not. I will not cling or place to, or to place or position. I hold it very lightly, provided that the other instruments of communion choose the new shape that we are not um, dictated to by people, blackmailed, bribed to do what others want us to do, but that we act in good conscience before God, seeking to a judge that is not for our power, but exists for the new world with its extraordinary, terrifying threats to proclaim Christ's and turn. A, I'm not sure. This is a bunch of gobbledygook, but essentially, he's not putting himself. Okay, we do have to end this, but I'll just say that appears to be humility, and that's great. I'm glad he's going to do that, but he's already thrown over the the doctrine of the church. He's destroyed the Sea of Canterbury yeah. by doing what he just did, and so now playing the humble card, I mean, that's so wicked what he just did to destroy the Church of England good i'm glad he's not gonna make that sea the main thing but people should lament and mourn that the sea of canterbury is apostate yeah and so uh, thanks for that yeah archbishop Welby. so we'll see how this develops but it'd be interesting well that's exciting and we're glad we can be here to break news yeah. thank you so much for listening and maybe we'll be back next week <laughs>